With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Here comes the judge. Swing and a drive. No, it's not. It's not. Here we are, episode 11 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, the penultimate one, I guess, before the playoffs, because we'll be sure to have a wild card preview episode. But here we are, number 11, the Brett Gardner episode. And Sean, fittingly enough, uh, as we record episode 11, Brett Gardner, number 11, is starting to maybe turn it on a little bit, and it couldn't come at a better time as the Yankees are once again getting struck with the injury bug coming down the home stretch of the regular season. Let the Guardy triple party begin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's had enough rest, so, you you know, he's definitely fresh. And with the uh, hamstring injury to Hicks, he's filled in great the last two nights, made a great catch, has a couple triples, a couple ribbies. And uh, he, looks, he looks rejuvenated and he looks hungry. I think, you know, he's a proud veteran and having had his job taken away, and, and I think he understands probably rightfully so. Uh, he, he looks like he's out to prove that he's still got something left in the tank with this limited opportunity. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing that fatigue probably played a heavy factor in his struggles recently when he was playing every day when Judge was hurt and Stanton was nursing a tight hamstring and you couldn't take Gardner out of the lineup because for as much as he was struggling, he was still better than Shane Robinson. But now you have Andrew McCutcheon, who has just been fantastic. I mean, a walk, a single, a hit by a pitch today. So that OBP for McCutcheon in the leadoff spot just continues to climb. But with McCutcheon there, now you're able to get Gardner some rest. And now in an event like you have going on right now where Aaron Hicks is, is hurt with that tight hamstring, looked like he aggravated it trying to uh, beat out a double play ball last night. So now maybe some fresh legs. Gardner is putting it together, which which would be huge for the postseason, especially if you know, say Hicks is still a little lame on that ankle and hamstring, and and needs a night off. It would be big for Gardner to step up and be able to swing the bat and come up with some big moments like he did in the playoffs last year. Absolutely, and you never know. I mean, you get a late game situation where you maybe you take out. Um either you know Sanchez or Andujar for defense and then the game might get a little closer and you might want to pinch hit at some point in the wild card game it'd be nice to know you have a, a rejuvenated Gardner to go to in a big spot because he's come up with so many big hits o- over the years I, I mean look no further back than the wild card game and the division series game five last year and you know, I, I think it's kind of a shame the way things went this year and I, I know when we spoke to Mark Simon he touched on he he expected to see Stanton and Judge in the outfield together more this year and that that would have given Gardner the rest that he needed but that that wasn't able to happen and and Gardner wore down probably as as a result of that yeah and like you mentioned Mark Simon is our guest this week from Sports Info Solutions had some great stuff on the current state of the Yankees defense and what to expect from them moving forward and in the wild card game where defense is absolutely going to play a, a pivotal role especially with two more pass balls from Sanchez last night. And even with all those struggles, you've heard Boone and and Cashman stay behind Sanchez and say, you know, he is going to be behind the plate for the wild card game. And games like 
Monday night are are ones that make you worried about that. But then a game like tonight is when you realize, you know, just why they are so behind Gary Sanchez because of the upside and because of what he's shown two years leading up to this one, which has been a slump, but he has a three-run home run today. He had another RBI single to drive in Stanton. So, you know, you're, you're seeing on Tuesday night as we record that, you know, the reason why the Yankees want to stick with Sanchez and see him in the lineup for that do or die game. Right. And not that the A's are built around small ball, but even if you, let's say the Yankees had a, a small lead late, I don't think putting Romine in is the move there because that just opens up the running game where one runner on is basically, if you have a runner that can steal a double because Romine's arm is not nearly what Sanchez's is. So you're really, I mean, you know, Sanchez has 17 pass balls on the year. That's really a big gamble to think, okay, in the, let's say the last three innings of the game, I want to prevent that pass ball, but I'll set, I'll give up the stolen base. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a risky gamble. Especially when you've seen a sample size of that tactic being used when Sanchez was hurt and opposing uh-huh. teams first instinct was, okay, we're going to run all over Romine. We're going to run all over Higashioka. I think the first 10 base runner base runners who attempted to steal when Sanchez first got hurt all succeeded so the arm is obviously far inferior to Sanchez and then you look at you know at the plate instead of just behind the plate and Romine is a backup catcher for a reason he doesn't hit for power you you see Sanchez and that potential uh, tonight on Tuesday night and you'd like to see that in the wild card game in a potential scenario where a Yankees team that lives and dies by the home run and looking you know hopefully more and more likely that it'll be at Yankee Stadium where home runs come at a premium and, and Sanchez is one of those guys who can drive balls out of the park and, and you look at these two teams the Yankees and the A's is now uh, the Rays as of yesterday Monday have been officially eliminated so it is going to be the Yankees and the A's just determining where it will be played if it's remains status quo and is played at Yankee Stadium it could be a battle of home runs given the ballpark and the fact that the Yankees have hit the most home runs in baseball and the A's have hit the third most sneakily have been a, a really uh, power hitting team. So if if it turns to a slugfest, the, the Yankees would love to have Sanchez in the lineup. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I think I think there's times where guys have down years and and the right thing to do is to move on from them in the big spot. Um you know, I, I think what Joe Girardi did in the 2015 wildcard game, moving on from Ellsbury and um, playing was it Chris Young. Uh, yeah, it was it was a weird line. I mean, they really stumbled into that wild card game. You had Rob Refsnyder in the starting yeah, lineup, and but but like I think that's the right move. But a move like this, where you, there's not really a good option, uh, you know, reminds a very capable backup catcher. I know that. I think we come too harsh on Romine because so many people clamor for him, but he is, he's a very good backup, but he's still a backup. And I don't think he's a better option than Sanchez, even with Sanchez having the down year, just because of that potential, that one swing of the bat can change everything kind of moment um, in a game like this, that that's really, that's really something that, that you need to rely on. Yeah. But I mean, and to be fair, those like uh, the pass ball could be a difference between going home and moving on to the ALDS and just that one advancement of a runner in a tight game that plenty of playoff games tend to be, especially um, in, in a do or die situation, that could be the difference. And sticking with the defense, that could be such, you know, a, a key factor in a wild card game where, you know, balls need to be kept in front errors have to be kept to a minimum especially in big spots when the season is on the line and now you have Didi Gregorius really the anchor of that infield in terms of of defense there's a lot of shaky areas around Gregorius in terms of infield defense especially Andujar so you know the defense shouldn't take too much of a hit until Gregorius comes back because Hechevarria is a great defensive shortstop obviously the the offense will take a bit of a hit when Hechevarria is in the lineup but the good news is Gregorius seems like he thinks at least that the wrist is feeling a lot better and 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 they'll know more tomorrow but if if for whatever reason Gregorius is out for the wild card game I mean that's a devastating blow for the Yankees absolutely I I agree with 
what Mark Simon said, I, I think you leave Torres at second and put Hechevarria there. Hechevarria is a defensive upgrade over Didi. Um, but if you were to move Torres to short, he looked really bad there when Didi was hurt and they, they put him there. And, um, and I, I think it's a situation where, yeah, you upgrade the defense on the, uh, on the left side there a little bit. You lose a huge, huge bat, especially in Yankee Stadium with Didi's lefty bat. Um, we'll see what happens, though. I mean, it's just a shame, right? It's the run that, that clinches the, the playoff berth and a headfirst slide again. We see this all the time. And now Didi's got torn cartilage in his wrist. And um, I, I'm done guessing with wrist injuries for this year. So I, I think we're going to get an update tomorrow on Didi and we'll see how that cortisone shot worked. And, and hopefully, hopefully it is as good as he's saying it is and he's able to play, but wrist injuries are scary. Uh, you know, we've seen it not just from judge, but throughout the majors. Yeah, and hopefully it's improving. You saw Monday night, he had that big wrap around his wrist uh, during batting practice, and he looked like the shocker from Spider-Man with those big things around his hands. But uh, today, when he was fielding ground balls in BP, he was wearing you know, a much smaller wrap around his wrist. So ho- hopefully things are improving. And like you said, Hechevarria is actually an upgrade defensively, but I think it's the lineup that could right. suffer. You know, Despite the fact that Hechevarria did go yard tonight, and, and we have John Sterling's call for him now, it's uh, Mamma Mia Hechevarria, which I think is actually one of Sterling's best right now in terms of current Yankee home run calls. I, I'm a fan. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely approve of it. Um, it, it. It's not one of the obvious ones where you would have thought of it right away. Uh, I feel like the judge ones were very, you know, you knew they were coming, and yeah. and this this one was uh, pretty interesting. And, and another interesting scenario the Yankees would have to play out if Gregorius isn't ready is is Neil Walker because like like you said like Mark Simon suggested keep Glaber Torres at second he had some issues uh, playing shortstop when Gregorius was um, on the deal with that bruised heel which is interesting because shortstop is Torres' natural position but you know then you have a bat like Neil Walker who can also contribute he had a, he has a triple in uh, the second game of the series against the Rays. So it becomes interesting. Do you keep the steady defender Hechevarria at short, or do you try to get Neil Walker's more versatile switch hitting bat in the lineup and maybe move Torres over to short if you're worried about scoring runs? Yeah, I, I don't know. I like, um, you know, I, I like Neil Walker's bat, especially at Yankee Stadium. But he's another guy you could look to for a defensive replacement uh, late late in the game, especially over at third base. He's you know he's a solid infielder. Uh, so I think it's more depending on the pitcher. Uh, I, I would say it's probably more important to have the the steady shortstop defense uh, there with with Hechevarria rather than the uh, the upgrade that Neil Walker would be over Hechevarria's bat. All right, so Didi is one injury that the Yankees are keeping a close eye on. Another one, which we briefly touched upon, is Aaron Hicks, who is another huge loss. I mean, his power numbers haven't been what they were earlier in the season, but he's still consistently getting on base. One of, you know, one of the best walk rates in baseball. He draws some of the most three-two counts in baseball. So that's a, a key bat that the Yankees need in the lineup. Not to mention an electric arm out in center field, and he can cover a lot of ground. But that might be compromised with his you know he fouled the ball off his ankle which didn't look good at first personally I was amazed he was in the lineup the next day and then you saw him stretching it and trying to roll it a little bit when he reached base the following game and then he tries to beat out a double play he goes down MRI showed there was no tear so that's obviously encouraging so it's a wait and see on Hicks right now maybe just a couple days but if the Yankees can't get him back in the lineup that's just another blow to an outfield that seemed so rich in depth on opening day now here we are at the end of the season and the Yankees are having trouble just keeping their starting outfield in one piece right but I mean like you said Hicks you know, he, he seems to think it was just precautionary. He's saying he wasn't going to pull himself from the game, but um, uh, Boone, Boone wanted to pull him. And, 
I think they did the right thing by taking him out, giving him a couple of days off. You really don't want to play around with, with, with the hamstring, especially, especially a guy that, I mean, obviously that, that ankle has got to be bothering him. So, you know, he's going to be favoring one side, probably not running in his usual form. So get him off his feet, let him heal up. Um, if he does miss more time than he's saying, then I mean, you got to hope Gardner's up to the task and looks like the last two nights he, he, he might be, but yeah, Hicks is quietly one of the best center fielders in baseball. I mean, with the way he plays defense, his patience at the plate. The Yankees have a lot of these guys that are kind of unsung, whether it be McCutcheon or um, or Hicks in, in in the outfield. It's actually interesting you bring that up because just today an article on 538, I think it was Travis Sawchick, uh, wrote an article and the headline was, something to the effect of who needs Bryce Harper when you have Aaron Hicks. And it was basically just a breakdown of how valuable Hicks has been uh, since the beginning of the 2017 season. I think in terms of war, he was something ridiculous, 11th in the league or something like that, and, and which is remarkable to think about. But you watch him every day, and he contributes in the field. He has that that power ever since he became more pull happy and he's has great discipline at the plate but just what are your initial thoughts on that obviously harper you know for a while it seemed like the yankees and harper were just a foregone conclusion now maybe not as clear as before the season started and you know you know harper's up and down season hasn't made it any more clear either but Personally, I thought maybe that's a little rash to say Aaron Hicks is going to keep the Yankees from going after a guy like Bryce Harper. But, you know, he does bring up an interesting point that Hicks is much more affordable and maybe gives the Yankees an opportunity to spend that potentially $300 million elsewhere. Well, I actually did see that link on Twitter, and that's why I mentioned that about him being one of the top center fielders in baseball. Nobody really talks about it, but um, I mean, first of all, let's just give credit where it's due. Uh, Cashman made a tremendous trade, trading uh, <laughs> Hicks for J.R. Murphy or John Ryan Murphy. I don't, I don't think he's in the league anymore. Um, I, I so think that, he's the backup in Arizona. Oh, okay. Uh, but so it was just a tremendous trade by uh, by Cashman, and and we're seeing it work out. I I don't. I think Harper is an overrated player. I mean, it, his advanced metrics do kind of show that, especially. I mean, this season he's been terrible on on, on defense. And yeah, I mean, he did have to make a positional change because of injuries. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's been an adventure for him defensively, and, and honestly. You take away his 2015 season, which was just unbelievable, and he's still been a good player, but not probably not worth the 300 million that he's likely going to demand, which is lower oh, than. Su- yeah, I'm sure he's going to get 400. And um, there are players out there that are worth that, um, but I don't think Bryce Harper is one of them. I think he's a very very good player, but um, he's not in the conversation of you know the the trout or the the mookie bets of the game and meanwhile andrew mccutcheon just reached base for the fourth time and there's another reason why the yankees might uh might be okay with their outfield plans maybe they do go after mccutcheon there's been reports that they would like to bring him back and he's definitely giving them reason to give him a hard look the way he's been playing see i'd be interested in that um but uh, it's just a matter of how many years right i mean you know the Yankees really shouldn't be concerned about dollars, uh, since you know, yay, we're under 197. But let, let's think about how many years, because we don't want to create a situation where we have an aging, uh, you know, an aging player that that we're relying on. We want to try to keep this youth movement going. And speaking of youth movement, one of your Rookie of the Year candidates, Glaber Torres, is yet another injury concern we need to touch on. He was pulled from the lineup today. He was initially in there, and then was taken out in favor of neil walker they said it was hip hip uh tightness and they said he would have been able to go and maybe was available off the bench but considering the fact that he missed some time with a hip injury that's just yet another concern and torres hasn't you know he's he's had an okay september definitely better than the way he was hitting when he first came back from the dl with the hip injury but that's just yet again another concern for the Yankees that they'll have to keep an eye on for the next week as we're exactly seven oh no sorry we're eight days away from from the wild card game this actually concerns me more than the Hicks injury because 
correct me if I'm wrong, but when he went on the DL the first time, like a couple days before that, he sat one game and it was all like maintenance. Yeah. And then he played and then he was on the DL because it was actually worse than, than they let on. So this kind of worries me. Um, I, I'll believe that it's nothing if he goes out there and starts playing and, and there's you know no setback or anything like that. So I'm kind of holding my breath on this one. I'm, I'm privately, well, not privately, but like I, when I heard that this morning, I'm like, I'm, I'm worried about this more than, or not this morning, but this afternoon. I'm worried about this more than maybe they're talking about uh, around the team in general. Uh, I, you know, obviously, if walk um, if if Torres can't go, you have a veteran bat in Walker and, and a good defender in Walker that can slide into second base. But what Torres has done this season has been very exciting, and I was really looking forward to seeing him in a pressure game. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there. Now, on on the bright side, in, on the injury front, you have Aaron Judge has been back for a little while now. We talked about it last week, first impressions of him back, and he's shown just more of the encouraging signs that we were talking about when we last recorded. I mean, he ripped a 110-mile-an-hour line drive right back at Jacob Faria, who just that made was scary. Unbel- yeah unbelievable catch. You were just happy uh, Faria didn't get hurt. But, you know, you also had an RBI by Judge last night and he's he's looking like he hasn't skipped a beat putting together uh good at bats full count after full count so i think you know knock on wood and i don't want to jinx anything but for right now judge seems like he's okay yeah i mean we haven't seen the power really yet um in terms of elevating the ball and, and getting it out but he's he's definitely he has his zone discipline down already that that hasn't changed it doesn't seem like he's chasing doesn't seem like his timing is off um and it seems like he's okay with the the fact that he's not really hitting the ball out he's still staying within himself having good approaches and uh the home runs will come so now we have another yankee who came back from injury or all this chapman last night pitched i believe it was the seventh inning the velocity was down but he did pitch a scoreless frame in a game that we need to stop and maybe give some credit to Aaron Boone because he uh, goes out and says it's going to be a bullpen day. Some people were starting to panic and were waiting to see a dumpster fire with Jonathan Holder <laughs> as the opener. But Aaron Boone looks like he perfectly orchestrated that bullpen day and gave the Rays a, a taste of their own medicine. And, and what I find funny and, and ironic is we sit here after the Yankees won that game. They only gave up one run, and and the, the conversation is, you know, Boone did a great job navigating through that bullpen day but if just one of those relievers didn't have wasn't on their game and slipped up a little bit let's say chad green gave up a couple runs and they lost everyone would be killing boone about his mismanagement of of the bullpen so it's just funny and i think it should be acknowledged that you know while boone has had plenty of problems this year we need to say that i think he did a good job uh you know trying out that new method to give his starters an extra day of rest and he got a win out of it a much needed win to secure home field yeah i mean i i think all right so i mean i know i'm a boon hater so to speak so (laughs) i i think from a standpoint of the way he managed that game it was pretty ordinary because none of like he didn't stretch out any of the relievers or anything like that he did go to the guys at the right time i'll give him credit for that um one thing I will say, and I wanted to just mention this because I know, and I don't mean to get off topic, but I know I've killed Boone most of the year. The game where they clinched, the Saturday afternoon game, I thought he managed those extra innings perfectly, especially the uh, the situation where they got out of the bases loaded jam. Uh, you know, they they uh, put put the walk at the right time and and, and pulling the infield in. I, I was, you know, I was I thought that he handled that very well. Uh, so I will throw him that bone there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yesterday definitely gave me a little bit of hope for if, if things go wrong in the postseason, he has a plan of how he can get through that game. Uh, ironically enough, I think Sonny Gray was the only Yankee he gave up, to give up any hits, right? He gave up two hits and one run, and that was And that he was got it. the win. And yeah, he got the win. So that's why the win is a stupid stat. Early and, wins are very important, and DeGrom should not sniff the Cy Young because wins are such a crucial stat. Just ask Rick Porcello and his Cy Young award. <laughs> Pride in New Jersey. Well, anyway, uh, 
you know, part of the reason why the bullpenning worked was because Zach Britton was uh, on the mound to close it out. And I mean, that sinker has been looking nasty lately. I, I think just as every day goes by, he's, you know, getting back to where he was before the Achilles injury. And, and that could be a huge X factor for the Yankees down the stretch because, you know, they need another arm to slide in for guys like Tommy Canely, who was such a huge part of the bullpen last year, but isn't up to par this year. Chad Green has taken a little step back, which I think was to be expected given just how awesome he was last year. You know, he's still effective, but Zach well, Britton is going to really be huge. He can't two innings. Green can't pitch two innings anymore. No, I, I agree. That's kind of weird. Like I, I agree, he was so yeah. good at that last year, and now he can't do two. Yeah, I think I don't know. He, he talked about how his role was different, and that was tough to adjust to. But it does seem like that Green is is only effective for one inning, and and just you know can't spend too much time out there for hitters to to make adjustments, and 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 that's fine if if Green can only be used for one inning. You saw you know it worked yesterday, so. If, yeah. If he's uh, if he's signed up for one inning in the wild card game, and then you have Britain for an inning, hopefully Chapman's back for an inning, and you know that's over a third of the game right there. You get a couple, you get a few innings from from your starter, and maybe but not Kansas let him. And, and Robertson, you haven't even gone to yet. Exactly, and those those are arguably your two most reliable arms in the bullpen right now. So, you know, the Yankees are in good shape. Of course, the A's have a solid bullpen of their own, so it's definitely going to be an interesting wild card game. And as um, I think it was Jane Lee, the A's reporter for MLB.com, said that the A's haven't ruled out a bullpen day in the wild card game, depending on where it's played. And it seems like if it's played at Yankee Stadium, they might lean towards a bullpen game because a lot of the A's starters haven't had success at Yankee Stadium. So. It's uh, it's gonna be huge for Boone to continue to maybe get over that hump of their struggles against teams that quote unquote bullpen against them. He's had uh, some recent success, so hopefully for the Yankees' sake that continues. If that's the case in the wild card game, yeah, I mean that probably is the way for Oakland to go, especially with their their pitching situation, uh, and. Uh, I mean, for one game, the wild card, especially with the two days off before, it sets up perfectly to manage manage the game that way. So they'll definitely uh, they'll be locked and loaded, and and hopefully the Yankees can you know playoff game. There's a lot more pressure on every pitch, so hopefully the Yankees can wear out and kind of burn through the good part of their bullpen uh, to the point where they're forced to go to either. Uh, some of their weaker relievers in the in the middle of the game because they have to save some of the better ones for the end end of the game. So hopefully the Yankees can wear through that a little bit. I'm interested to see how this works in the postseason, uh, for sure. And forgive me, we were talking about uh, Yankees relievers. I forgot to include uh, Tarpley, who's, who's looked really good the last two games. Maybe he comes in and faces a lefty or two. Obviously not enough sample size, but... It's been pretty cool to see him come on and and really, you know, really make an impression with uh, with just a couple appearances. Of course, I'm yeah. half joking, but <laughs> no, yeah, he, he's looked okay. But uh, I thought we'd see more Sheffield too. I'm kind of surprised we haven't, but um, you know, hopefully after they wrap up home field, we'll, we'll get him in a couple extra games just to get his legs under him, and then next season we could uh, see him unleashed. So sticking with the wild card game. Luis Severino, one of the three candidates between him, happened Tanaka to start the wild card <coughs> game. And, you know, Severino, he looked really good his last two starts. It looked like maybe he was really on his way back to ace form. And to be honest, there were a lot of times tonight against the Rays where he still looked that way. He had that one bad inning, but... The know, second was pretty rough too but yeah, yeah. He, he got bailed out he had some hard contact that was hit right at people but just it, it, it's a shame because of how dominant you know he can be but I think at this point I'm, I'm ready to officially write off Severino as a candidate to start the game I just there's just not enough time left to see if he can get all the way back to where he was before the all-star break I this will be the last time we podcast before we know who the starter is. And I'm honestly, I think there's three options and I don't know if I can flip out about any of them because if you start Tanaka with the way he threw the ball down the stretch, Austin game, notwithstanding 
and his postseason pedigree. I have no issue with that. If you start Hap with the way he threw against Oakland and the way he's thrown down the stretch, I have no issue with that. And if you start Severino, I I don't think it's the right move, but at the same time, you know what he's capable of. I really can't flip out about it. I disagree with it, but there's like, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision, honestly. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a tough choice. I mean, but all of them have. We've waited for one to emerge, and it looked like Tanaka. It looked like Tanaka, and then Tanaka got rocked by the Red Sox on Thursday. And I think tomorrow, I think tomorrow will decide it uh, in Boone's mind. I think if Tanaka goes goes out and has a has a big game, then then Boone will will start him. And if he doesn't, then I think it'll probably be between. Um, Hap and Severino, and I think Boone already knows in his head between the two of those who it will be. It's it's hard to argue against Hap for me right now. He's he's been so great since joining the Yankees. He looked fantastic against the A's when he faced them as a Yankee. And as much as good as Tanaka has been recently, like you said, with the Red Sox start being an outlier. He's just the home runs, they scare you. And like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the A's are among the league leaders in home runs. They have the home run leader in Chris Davis, and just one swing of the bat can change the entire game. Of course, we've also seen that the Yankees' offense can pull themselves out of an early hole in last year's wild card game. So maybe it shouldn't be seen as, as a do or die choice because the Yankees have such a deep and great bullpen and an offense that can put themselves back in a game with one swing. But it's also still very important to, to get a good start from whoever it is they choose just because this is it. It's, it's do or die, fair or not. And just Tanaka ha- brings his own concerns because of the home run. So, again, like you said, I don't think – I don't know if there is a perfect choice right now. I would definitely say that it's got to be between one of those three. Sabathia hasn't looked great lately. I think you can take him out of the consideration. Definitely. So, I, and it's just you know, it's 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 going to be a tough choice. But I at this point, maybe I'm leaning slightly in into the hap corner. Yeah, and like I said, I can't really kick and scream about any choice. It's. Um it's a tough decision and nobody's really distinguished themselves from, from the pack in my, my opinion. Um, but I mean, if anybody's been the most consistent, it's been happen. And, and I think, yeah, he can get you through a couple innings and then you can turn it over to the bullpen. And, you know, one thing I'll say last year's wild card game, uh, they go down three, nothing. They come back. This A's team is not that twins team. This, this A's team is more the Houston team that the Yankees ran into in 2015. This is a good baseball team. Um, the twins were, were not, um, they were inflated by their, you know, their run differential was not good. Uh, they were, you know, the twins can't play at Yankee stadium and they, they were an over overrated team, but this A's team is a good team. That's going to be a huge challenge for the Yankees. A good team that's playing some of its best baseball right now, and if the Yankees are going to win that game, they'll have to play their their best baseball, especially defensively where they've had some struggles. We mentioned Andujar at, at the hot corner, so let's play this interview. We talked to Mark Simon, and he broke down so many interesting facts about the Yankees' defense and defensive run saves and, and all these things that are hard for the casual fan to quantify in terms of rating a player defensively so mark simon of sports info solutions he's also the author of yankees index he uh, came and talked to us and we'll play it for you right now all right we are joined now by mark simon you can uh See him at Sports Info Solutions, formerly of ESPN. He's got a great book, Yankees Index, which has got all the information you could want on the Yankees. Mark, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Yeah, happy to talk to the Yankee baseball. Yeah, and you're a great follow on Twitter, especially when it's you know with defensive stats and metrics, which you know are always kind of complicated to measure, especially for for the casual fans. So the the first thing, you know, and this was this happened just hours ago greg bird taking ground balls at third base uh before batting practice today just what's your initial reaction to that and how bird could possibly be used at the hot corner whoa 
that's my reaction to that. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting uh, thing to try, I guess. Um, I, I don't know his past experience there. That seems like a stretch. I've heard of stranger things. There's a precedent 50 years ago that the Tigers took their center fielder and put him at shortstop for the World Series. Uh, so it's not unprecedented to do something like that. But he never played it in the minors. Uh, he never played it in the majors, obviously. Uh, I don't know why they necessarily would think that he would be a good fit for it, but there must be something there. Aaron Boone's a, a smart guy, so I would, uh, I, that's an interesting trick they've got up there, so that they're going to try something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, the the person they have manning third now, Andrew Harwell, he, he can definitely he can definitely hit with the best of them. I think he's down to 20, negative 23 defensive run saves, and I know you tweeted about him back in August. What do you th- what do you think the best strategy is to, to go with a, a guy like Andrew where the, the talented bat is there, he's obviously athletic, but it, he hasn't seemed to take into the position. Uh, well, it would be such a crusher to, to pull him for Greg Bird at this point. I feel like you almost have to live with it and then take the uh, idea of playing the caddy behind him, which is, I guess, Hechevaria, uh, and hope that you can get seven innings where they don't hit the ball too too much. The guy I would worry about pitching with uh, balls being hit uh, to him would be Sabathia. I did a whole uh, piece on how, uh, half a piece on how Sabathia was hurt uh, by the Yankees' defense this year, and one of the primary culprits, in fact, the primary primary culprit, uh, was Andujar, just with bad throws or with muffs uh, or with other things going wrong. So for for CC, they might have to, maybe that's where the Greg Bird plan fits in. Uh, with the right-handers, you can probably take a little bit more of a chance on it and hope for the best. But uh, he's an adventure, but he's, he's such a good bat, it would be really tough to take him out of the lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, before Void came up, I definitely thought that maybe he would transition to first base because it seemed like the Yankees are kind of fed up, or, or not maybe not fed up is the wrong word, but they're, they're running out of time to see what Bird offers them over at first base. I, I don't really know if he can play third. And you mentioned the, you know, that CeCe's been really hurt by the Yankee defense, which I think right now is pretty middle of the pack when you look at all the stats, but that's really pulled up by, uh, by their outfield in terms of, yep. you, you know, guys like uh, Judge, who's phenomenal in right field, and, and Gardner, who just made a, a great catch Monday night against the Rays. But uh, even I think Torres is, uh, you know, in the negative in terms of defensive run run saved, and Didi makes some some really nice plays, but you know he does things like slip and fall down sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty he middle. Falls on his butt. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty middle of, of the pack, too. And, and now he's out. What do you think the Yankees will do to deal with Didi's absence? Do you think it's worth moving Torres over to second, over to short, excuse me, or is it better to upgrade at short with Hechevaria and just keep Torres where he is at second base? I would be inclined to keep Torres where he is. What little we've seen of, of Torres at short, I'm looking at it now, uh, five errors and four misplays. We, we categorize misplays as plays that weren't scored errors, but that certainly could have been scored errors. Uh, to have nine of those in 147 innings is not good. Uh, I would be a little bit uh, wary of that, whereas you kind of know what you're getting uh, with Torres at second. He's, he had a re- he was really good at the start of the year. He's kind of he evened out, I guess, so to speak. He's he's a little to the positive. He's uh, he's he's someone that is valuable because within a shift defense, which the Yankees like to uh, put to use. Uh, in fact, this is what what makes him valuable. He can make odd angle throws better than a lot of other guys. So he's made some plays in shifts, and he's made a couple of running catches, too, uh, like behind second base on on long drives, uh, where I would feel more comfortable with him at second base than I would at shortstop, and I think I would be inclined to go with the more shorthanded Hechevria there. Yeah, that, that's a good point in terms of his ability to kind of throw across his body and yep. everything like that. Definitely a little reminds me a little bit of the way that Cano used to be able to feel that ball yep. and handle that. That's a good um, comp. Yeah, um, thank you. And then uh, I guess the other thing that, that's really going on with the Yankees defense is uh, Sanchez, obviously. And I know that's kind of been a storyline all season. 
Uh, you wrote back in July that Romine is probably the best defensive catcher in the, the back, best backup defensive catcher in in the big leagues, and I'm kind of wondering. He has two more pass balls tonight. Is, is it getting to the point where you're re- is his the threat of his bat not even his bat because he's not hitting? It's starting. Is it starting to be negated by his defensive struggles? Where if you had a, a one game to win, would you rather be putting Romine back there or, or having Sanchez there? And I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but just you know, you did write that article about him being the best backup uh, defensive yeah, backup I, catcher. So let me give credit. One of my colleagues actually did that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, his name is Casey, but the, the, no, that's good because I've worked with him on it, so I, I know I know what the story was. Um, Again, I feel like that one goes to who pitches in the wildcard game. Because if Tanaka is pitching, you know that there are going to be a lot of pitches in the dirt. Uh, or if CC, who probably wouldn't be starting, is pitching, uh, you know that there are going to be a lot of sliders in the dirt. Uh, and you need uh, Roman's blocking ability, which is as good as anyone's in, uh, in baseball, uh, to block those pitches. And the difference between him and Sanchez, that could... A guy going first to second, that could lead to a run in in a uh, important spot and against, uh, I guess, Oakland. And that could be problematic uh, in a one-game scenario. I think if it's Severino pitching, I think I would be more inclined to go with Sanchez. Uh, but it's it's a tough call because you're, you've been waiting all year for the bat to show up. I remember... My friend Katie Sharp wrote an article for The Athletic about how Sanchez's bat was it was better than it looked at you know the 180 batting average, and, and expected numbers were much better, but it's never come. It's always been in this 180 uh, hole that he's been in, and I think that's a really tough decision, uh, and I don't know that I would make it until I know who I, I want my starting pitcher to be. I'm glad you brought up Tanaka. He's a potential wild card game starter, and and he's also, I think, one of the best fielding pitchers on the Yankees, and maybe one of the best in the league. Doesn't get a ton of credit for his ability to to play his position, but you know, what what's your take on, on Tanaka in terms of getting off the mound and, and fielding his position, and and who do you think on the Yankees may be the best fielding pitcher on the staff? Oh, I like that. Uh, I like that as a call. He's, uh, he has five defensive runs saved this season. Two years ago, or I guess 2016, he had seven, which was second uh, in baseball. This year, he's fifth. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, he, he, has, he has range uh, to both sides, too. It doesn't matter if it sits to the right of the mound or the left of the mound, which, if I'm not knowing how he pitches makes me think that he follows through well, which is probably a, a fundamental tactic that was taught to him in, in Japan, certainly. And I believe Luis Severino had good uh, defensive run save numbers, too. I'm actually punching them up uh, as we speak here, just because I don't want to give you an uneducated uh, answer on this. Yeah, Luis Severino had four defensive run saves, and he had them early, and he was good, if I remember right, on comebackers that were hit hard. Uh, his reflexes were good at uh, pulling those in. Uh, but I think, I think you're right in that I would take Tanaka over Severino in terms of pitcher defense, uh, which, as you said, doesn't get uh, recognized very much. So we've touched on a lot of Yankees defensively. In, in terms of you know your research and your work over the course of this season, is there a certain statistic or a certain performance by a Yankee that has surprised you the most over the course of this season? Uh, I think, well, going back to early in the season, their performance in shifts was, was really, really good. Uh, they were one of the teams that got the most value out of it. Uh, that petered off their defense. Their defensive run save numbers, their, their total right now for this season, I know that on like a site like Fangraphs, it would say 13. We include uh, another element to that shift performance, which is uh, tw- another 21. Gives them 34. They were in the 40s. They were uh, on the verge of being the best team in the league. They, they tailed off at the end of the season, but the shift defense was really good. And it goes back to Glaber Torres making those plays from odd ankles. Uh, throwing balls uh, from weird spots in in the uh, ship book. Uh, in terms of surprise, I think we know that Judge is good. Um, I think we know that Gardner is good. Um, the, I think Romine's emergence this year as a clear, really, really, really good defensive catcher uh, is, is something that they should be very pleased with. 
And how about John Carlos Stan, a Gold Glove nominee in right field last year with with the Marlins, has played some left field, which took some getting used to. Obviously, also dealing with a tight hamstring. What's been your take on Stan defensively this season? So it's funny with him. He he has a lot of good in his gloves, and then he'll have enough bad to just kind of not quite even it out. He'll usually wind up uh, to the positive. This year, uh, he did wind up to the positive. He's had five defensive runs saved at the time that we're uh, talking about this. He doesn't make errors. Uh, he's made uh, one all season. Uh, he hasn't played a lot in the field, uh, and I was actually surprised that they didn't play him more in the field. I felt like th- that they should put Judge and Stanton on the field at the same time. Uh, more often, but they didn't. He's uh, this. It's a small sample this year. In the past, like he can go back and get the ball in the corner in a big ballpark if he has to. Uh, but every so often, he'll have one kind of drop at an, where he's chasing a ball at an awkward angle, and the ball drop and bounce over his head and turn into a triple. And he gets defensive misplays uh, for that. Uh, so I guess in, in the postseason. I would say maybe be a little wary of that if he plays the field, but uh, they've shown a tendency not to play him in the field. All right, that's Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions. Great stuff, Mark. Very interesting, of course, and everyone should check out his book, Yankees Index, for more interesting stuff. Mark, thanks again. We got it. Thanks a lot, Mark. All right, that was Mark Simon and, and great stuff. Glad he was able to come by and, and, and talk to us. But one thing that I think we both were interested in is where he said that his decision on the wild card game catcher, which you know isn't really a necessary argument given the fact that the front office and management has made it pretty clear that Sanchez will be the catcher. But just for argument's sake, he said he would consider Romine if it was Tanaka pitching. But as we both noted, um, before we came back Sanchez has pretty much looked at his best when it's Tanaka behind the plate and I think the ALDS last year was was a perfect example of that Sanchez for whatever reason despite that nasty splitter from Tanaka just seems to be on his game more so than any other pitcher that he catches Uh, it's so weird because you figure Tanaka would be the worst one to catch with the way he everything's in the dirt and I I think he catches Tanaka the best out of out of all the pitchers he catches, he always looks the best when Tanaka's there. I don't know if maybe because it's in his head, like, I have to be on my game today. And then so he's just super focused. But, yeah, I, I mean, I find that I, I understand the point that Mark was making, that Tanaka's usually in the dirt and everything like that. But uh, it's weird. Like, Sanchez, like, turns up when Tanaka's pitching. So that was, uh, you know, that, that that's a weird thing that happens with the, with the two of them. But, I mean, otherwise I understand, uh, you know, where he's coming from and um, – and whatnot definitely uh definitely some interesting stuff and and mark's a great follow on twitter uh you know he always interacts with people and everything like that uh you know even when he was at espn doing like the k-zone stuff and you know he's he's just a great follow and uh, he seems like a great guy so it's glad we could get him on yeah definitely very friendly with his time and great information that he that he gave us and um we're thankful for that and we'll have a couple more guests next week And, and before we go maybe a little leap back in time as we record here on tuesday four years ago today honestly right around this time where it's about 10 15 on tuesday four years ago right around right now we were in the upper deck watching Derek jeter say goodbye to yankee stadium in probably the most jeter way you can possibly come up with hitting that walk-up single and i mean my first thought is just how the hell has it been four years already it's just crazy how time flies yeah, I mean, I remember so much about that day uh, from like just being at the state, like having trouble getting to the stadium because there was an accident on the bridge. I know you were there at like dawn. I wasn't um, taking any chances. I was there. <laughs> I was in. I was in the city probably around like noon for a seven o'clock game. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a huge accident on the bridge, and we got there, and there was like no parking. And I, I think I went to the most games I ever went to that year just because I wanted to take in as much Jeter as I could. Uh, I knew you were, you know, living in North Carolina and couldn't at the time. So I was trying to do like work for both of us. And uh, I always talked to this one parking attendant every game and he happened to be there and he saw there was no room left. He moved his car and let me park in that spot. So we got into the stadium. 
Carolina and I met up with you and mom uh, after we took our picture outside the Jeter mural on the back of the, the thing and the game happened. And w- when he hits the walk-off single, I, I don't remember my reaction very much. I know I was like hanging on to you and Carolina cause I was between you two and I, I think I might've fell down, but it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a, uh... You hadn't heard the stadium like that in a long time. You that know. whole game, it felt like a playoff game. Yeah, it really did. And ironically, it was one of the only games of Jeter's career where they weren't in playoff contention. They had been eliminated, and they certainly didn't seem like it. Wasn't that his only home game where he was ever eliminated? I think, I think it was. In 08, they, were, they didn't get eliminated until they, when they were in Toronto, I think. Or I think they were in Toronto when they got eliminated in 08. And then in 2013, he was not on the active roster because he was yeah, on he the was, he was already shut down. So I think that was the only home game that he ever played that meant nothing. But at the same time, it was so sick because, I mean, the pregame stuff was, you know, the usual kind of corny videos. But, I mean, because, it, it, you know, you grow up watching him and it's just – it's moving because, he, it, you know, that game I was – you know, I was going I knew I was gonna miss Jeter, but I've never been a huge like Jeter stand, so to speak. Like I always appreciate him, but he was he wasn't my favorite player when I was a kid. It was always Tino, and then he kind of became my favorite player. Uh, but I just like I really appreciated all the memories he brought. Uh, you know, just watching games together, uh, and just you know all the times going to see him and stuff like that. I was just like, well, think of this one person created all these great memories for us. And, and that was really cool to be able to say goodbye. Yeah. Created so many to the point where I think I remember standing in the upper deck and him coming up to the plate after Gardner bunted over Richardson and almost just kind of knew like it was about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're like this, I know this is going to happen, but that that's too unreal still. Right. Like, yeah. but you know, Derek Jeter is where fantasy becomes reality. <laughs> Not my favorite call, but <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Gary Thorne one is incredible. Uh, yeah. So is the Ricky Ricardo one in, in Spanish, and the Bob Costas <laughs> call is really really good too. Um, but yeah, and the the double in the first inning. I mean, yeah, you thought it was gone was for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was jumping up and down like that was that was cool, and it's um, you know it's it's sad to see the the heroes that we had when we were younger move on. But, you know, four years ago, it gives you, you know, it kind of lets you live in like fairy la- fairy tale land where you can see guys that, that can do this kind of crazy stuff and, and have these fitting endings. And, you know, that was really the last one, right? I mean, you saw Mariano get taken out in this almost perfect way. You see Pettit pitch a complete game in his hometown, uh, in his last start. Um, you know, it, so it, we really were spoiled with that group. And I think, you know, what makes us so, so passionate and what makes maybe makes this team so frustrating is that we want that for this team. Right. And we see that the talent is there for them to kind of create those kind of special memories for us and for everybody else. And, um, you know, we just want that so bad. So sometimes that bleeds into frustration when, when we think they're not living up to our expectations. Yeah, like you said, it's, you you can see the blueprint of that dynasty being replicated again with all the young talent, young proven talent already. But another big part of that was that those Yankees, for the most part, stayed healthy. So hopefully, the Yankees that are hobbled and and banged up right now can get back to health for the wild card game and and make another run in the playoffs. And we will be back to preview that wild card game next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Sean for. Uh, joining me once again and we'll be back uh, next week for episode 12 and and the final episode before the playoffs get underway all right